baby Today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw But it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80 It's the gold dream you hit it on one Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Welcome to episode four of the Break 80 podcast. Uh, one of your co-hosts, Mike, here. Uh, I go by Short Sighted Golf on Instagram, if that's how you know me. And Jeff is on vacation this week, so he's probably playing golf somewhere warm. So I have uh, back for another week the Minnesota expert on all things golf, Timothy Corlett. Hey, Tim, how are you doing? Good, good. Going to have to transition the title to Texas golf expert, having been down there last year yeah. right around this time to play play some golf yeah tim will have some insight on the valero texas open coming up later how was uh stonebrook this weekend you know it was a bit rough uh it's always a little bit interesting when you jump on to i believe that's number seven the par three overwater beautiful hole short par three and the entirety of the lake is still frozen to the point where you can see embedded golf balls just left of the green and you just want to walk out there and pick them up and hope they're a pro v1 or a bridgestone uh bridgestone brx tour we decided not to i think uh i think all of us hit the green and reg but the rest of the course was a, a little bit wet you wonder what stone brook is is thinking having golfers out there so early because i know i took some some monster more than dollar bill size divots <laughs> And the next hole after that par three is the uh, pontoon hole, right? Yeah, the uh, snowbank. I hit a driver thinking, it's cold, it won't carry. Uh, it carried. It uh, it had a little draw on it. It held up in a snowbank right before the tree line at the the very far edge of the fairway. So thank you, snowbank. <laughs> so for for keeping... those... Go ahead, Tim. So no, those... Shout out to the snowbank. Yeah, for those of you who uh, haven't played Stonebrook, there's a there is a hole where you hit it over like kind of the corner of a lake, and they take you on a pontoon across to the other side, and, they, and that's not open obviously early in the year because the lake is still frozen, so you have to walk around this neighborhood forever to get up there. But we're golfing anyway. So uh, before we get started here, I want to give a quick shout out for our intro music. Uh, assuming that I got the tech, I can get the technology figured out to splice it all together. That is so. Hopefully you heard some intro music at the beginning uh, to Sean Hagen and Kyle Matuska for putting that together for us um, for the podcast. It's awesome to have some sort of intro. Now we're slowly working our way into uh, a little bit less of an amateur yet still an amateur podcast here, but we're working on it um, today. Here's kind of what we got going on for you. We're going to talk some WGC match play. Uh, we got a few hot takes on match play in general from that. Um, we're going to get into the uh, Valero Texas Open preview, some of that tour event. Tim's going to give you some Texas golf insight. And then we'll get into our Elite Eight discussion of the results and final four preview for Minnesota Public Golf. And then um, that'll kind of wrap it up for this for this week. 
Um, next week will be basically a lot of masters talk. We have Kate Smith on the podcast uh, next week, but let's get started. WGC match play, Tim, what were your thoughts? Oh, goodness. You know, the, the only negative was, I know that we went to Mulligans for maybe the last hole of that, uh, of that championship, yep. but just wanted to see it go a little bit longer. Great to see Scotty or Scott now pull out the W. Uh, always nice to see someone else move in the feet as they swing. I'm glad I'm not the only one falling out of my swing every time it happens. Um, shout out to all of those people that uh, didn't believe in me as I, I fell out of every single draw I attempted to hit. Um, but fantastic to just see him win one and, and you know, continue winning. Um, it could be, could be something with that, that caddy he, he changed to here uh, in just this last year. I feel damn good for Ted Scott. He had, he's gotten away from the Bubba and all the complaining, and now he's got the world number one he's looping for. Yeah, shout out for sure to Mulligans. Um, Tim and I went and played 36 holes last night in a matter of hours. They have, if you don't know, it's in Plymouth. Uh, they're on Instagram, uh, Mulligans Indoor. Isn't that what it is on Instagram, I think? Um, anyway, the, we played in two and a half hours. We played uh, TBC Austin, or not TBC, Austin Country Club, the Pete Dye Track, and Terra Edis. That was a pretty solid uh, 36 holes on the sim, but great setup there to get over there. Uh, the one thing I found interesting and really I think the Sims are pretty accurate. There's Austin country club has, has a lot of quirky bounces. You know, the, the terrain is not um, very flat as a lot of tour courses kind of tend to be. So I think it makes for a great match play course. And I, I love Austin country club and I'm not even a big Pete Dye guy, but I like watching golf there. Anyway, Certainly your standard, uh, not your standard Pete Dye, not a lot of railroad ties, a little bit more, more walls and rock formations and yep. hard drive. So Scotty Scheffler is now your world number one. And I, I just, Justin Ray, guy on the internet that does awesome golf stats said, uh, with a win, with the, with the win, Scotty Scheffler reached number one in the world just 42 days after his first PGA Tour win. The shortest gap between those two beforehand was 252 days, which is Tiger. So that's kind of, that's just crazy to think about the last like two months of Scotty Scheffler's career here. He's all in number one in the world. Well, uh, Tiger could be back. We don't know. Yeah, well, that'll be coming up on the pod here today. We don't know, but it's fantastic to to see just someone else come out as as kind of the forerunner, that elite golfer. And uh, I know myself, I'm, I'm 32. Mike, uh, you probably did a lot of the same thing growing up, but having just that icon in golf makes it so much more fun to watch. Um, and Scotty is definitely emulating those tiger-esque percentages with his win rate this year and i, I like sky Shepherd. i think he's a good dude solid dude he's kind of quiet goes about his business but i think the other thing it shows it shows you is just how dominant tiger was all of those years um you know phil mickelson has never been number one in the world with all of his success and Scotty Scheffler has been his fault that all up there in like 42 days because Phil played in the tiger era. Tiger was so dominant. And you look at now, you got all these different guys that swap in and out every few months. And I think it says a lot about how good the PGA tour is right now and how good golf in the world is probably deeper than it's ever been. But it also says something about how freaking good tiger was and just how dominant he really was. Um, the kids, 
Kevin Kisner has made has has made a living at the Austin Country Club. Um, and I have a I have a take on Kevin Kisner here. So um, Kevin Kisner, I think I got the stats pulled up. He got second. He lost in the championship to Scotty Scheffler. Uh, he is what is it? Twenty-two seven and one at the Austin Country Club. Pretty solid. He's eleven and zero when leading at the turn. He's never lost when he's been ahead at the turn. And if you didn't watch um, in the round of sixteen, it was wild. He was three down with four to play. Uh, and according to some of the data, anybody in the history of the WGC match play at Austin Country Club that has been three down with four to through fourteen was oh 185 and four. And he came back and won. He goes, what does he do? He goes wedge to four feet on 15 for birdie, holes out from the bunker on 16 for eagle, which wasn't even like a greenside bunker. It's one of those, one of those awkward kind of like 20, 30 yard shots. I'm pretty sure he called it though. I'm pretty sure he he did a, a typical kiss move and and yeah. just that one liner calls it from from in the air. And he Pard 17 and then birdied 18. So he finished 3 3 3 3 to win uh, the match against Adam Scott. And, you know, if Adam Scott could could get the dressing figure out a little bit, he'd probably be a little more formidable opponent. But uh, once in a while, he, he goes off the rails with like tube socks and like black shoes and stuff. I, I understand that you like that less than the brown and brown. And I thought the brown and brown was probably the worst outfit I've ever seen. You know, the, the one that I, I, I can't figure Adam Scott out because, you know, he's like, maybe he's getting a little old, he's getting a little gray, but he's like, you know, the ladies, he's like the dream guy on tour, you know, the dreamy Adam Scott, the great looking dude. And he's the worst damn dresser. It's just terrible. I can't for life me figure it out. Well, both him and, and Patrick Cantley, you've got brown on brown. At least they matched the, yeah. the couple photos I've seen of him. And then you've got Patrick Cantley out there, black on black, not matching blacks. And it's not like they're not sponsored. It's not like they don't have someone sending them clothes and helping them pick these things out. At some point in time, they must just be getting the box clothing that's sent to them and mismatching the days or something has to be going on. I don't get Maybe the lighting's bad in, in their beautiful luxury hotel. Who you know, I, I can't understand. Yeah, me neither. But here is my hot take on Kiz. I think, so Kisner is a great uh, match play player. He's gritty. He can really putt, but it's got to be the right situation. Like, you know, whistling straights last year, long, not the right course for him. I don't think the President's Cup is great for him this year. It's at Quail Hollow, which tips out, you know, like 7,600 yards. Uh, I looked back at his record. He's like in various tournaments there. He's missed the cut damn near every time. But next year's Ryder Cup, 2023, in Rome at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. It's a Foz layout, your guy Foz, but not Tom, brother Jim, brother Jim. This the, the Foz family tree of golf course architects. The, the 50, it's a 50% discount if you go with yeah, <laughs> over top. Yeah, got it a little cheaper, but it's about 7,000 yards. You know, it's shorter. And the Europeans always, you know, they get the home. So if you don't know the Ryder Cup, the homes team, so in this case, Europe in 2023, gets to do the course setup. If you remember back to when I was at Hazel Team, they bitched about 
you know, final round singles being the pins were all in the middle and whatever. And the course was set up with not much rough. Well, obviously we, we were, we had some bombers and, you know, we were ahead and all that. So uh, I think this sets up pretty well for, for a kids kind of guy that can keep it in play, make putts, get in there in the other guy's heads. You know, if, if uh, the European fans are doing the ole, ole, ole stuff, he might just spit a chaw at their feet and, you know, say, fuck you, watch this. You know, he's that kind of guy and I like it. Um, but you know, I did the, I, I went back and looked at the uh, Ryder Cup team from last year at Whistling. And the 12 guys, when I, when I averaged out their average driving distance this year on tour, it's 305.6 yards. And Kiz is like, is under 290. You know, he does, he just doesn't get it out there far enough. But he's uh, one of, all, one of yeah, us. He's one of <laughs> us. But he's fifth in strokes gain putting and he's gritty. And I think, um, that would be a perfect scenario for Kevin Kisner to, to be in a Ryder Cup, considering that the Euro, the Europeans have not lost in Europe, or or you could think of it as we have not won in Europe in 30 years. Next year will be 30 years since we won at the Bel at the Belfry, the last day we won on European soil. Uh, the Kiz is the kind of guy that could bring a little juice there, a little attitude. Well, I'm just surprised too. Uh, Zach Johnson at, at the helm, right? Uh, fellow shorter hitter. Iowan, uh, fellow Iowan like yourself. Fellow Iowan, love it. Cedar Rapids, shot, shot, shout out to them. Um, but it just uh, another short hitter can can think his way around the golf course and and has success. Um, obviously, with with two major wins with Zach Johnson. Yep. But you'd think that there'd be some some common brethren there um, that would understand, you know, both. Typical Americana, you know, Iowa versus the uh, the South, yeah. uh, but also just uh, maybe team lay up a little bit more. Not that kids doesn't try to bulldog his way into some of the par fives, but you have to you have to lay up on on certain par fives if you don't don't hit it that long. Sure, sure. Which I completely understand. I get it. And during and during the match play, Tim sent we were texting back and forth about match play, and Tim reminded me that uh, the PGA Championship used to be match play. So I did a little deep, I did a little deep dive for you listeners and, and we'll have a take on this in a second. The PGA championship was match play from 1916 to 1957. They would, they, they did match play. Um, it was here in Minnesota a few times in 1932 it was at Keller. And this is wild to me. They played. If, if you won uh, the winner was the camera's name, but anyway, you played six straight 36 whole days. 12 rounds in six days at Keller to win the whole thing. Um, and in 1954, it was also at Keller, a guy named Chick Harbert won. And in a great story, I, I, I dug up on the internet an old newspaper article from somewhere. And this is why I love match play. I have, if you've heard, listened to the pod, you've probably already caught on that. I like Lynx golf. I also like what I also like about like Scotland is they play a ton of match play over there, just in everyday golf. They don't even do a lot of stroke play. It's just tons of match play. Um, Chick, Chick Harbor on the first hole at Keller. And you got to imagine 1954. So it's not, you know, a huge city around it. Hits his tee shot somewhere near a bunker blades. The next one into a cornfield. It said in the article blades into a cornfield and just concedes the hole. So he's down, he's down one. The other guy doesn't even have to do anything else. The holes, but he's, but it's a 36 hole final. So, you know, you're just down one, you know, if that happens in stroke play and you're making a, you know, a snowman on the first hole or something, you're screwed. You're probably out of the tournament. It's probably over match play. Not a big deal. He ended up winning, 
after blading went into a cornfield in the first hole. So um, they have had, uh, they had match play for a while. And in 1957, they, this is when the advent of TV comes around, you know, TV golf is becoming a thing. The PGA championship claimed they didn't make any money at the last in the 57, you know, championship with match play. And they got pressured by TV companies also to make it stroke play because TV companies wanted stroke play. And the PGA championship to me has been a kind of a shit show ever since the dates are always goofy. It, it just, it's, it, it has no identity. It, it, all the other, all the other majors, you know what you're getting. Everybody loves the masters. You know, it's the Augusta every year for a lot of us in, you know, Northern States, it's like the beginning of the golf season. The U S open has a reputation as being the toughest test of golf and the open championships, the open championship, the oldest championship there is the home of golf. And then there's the PGA championship, which is, I don't know. What do you think, Tim, when you think of PGA championship? So uh, prior to the, the FedEx cup and the doling out of millions and millions and millions of dollars, um, we are available for sponsorships, by the way. Reach out to uh, Short Side of Golf or uh, Break 80 for any sponsorship. Uh, Absolutely. We are, not above, we are not above plugging anybody on this podcast. No, we are not. We're doing it for free right now, which is a shame. Absolutely. Um, uh, but it, it, the PGA used to have a little bit of an identity back before the FedEx Cup, just as the, the final point in the season. After that, it was a trickle of events, nothing that big. Uh, you'd miss out on a lot of the guys with huge name recognition. At least that's how my childhood was. So you kind of had this culmination of who was doing particularly well through a lot of the major tour stops uh, to the kind of the final, the, the final major of the year. And could you get a Tigerism? Could you get a Grand Slam? Could someone win two? And it's so congested now with this movement of the PGA into May that it, the, the open championship doesn't feel like the consensus of the season. Um, and the FedEx cup doesn't really, it brings the guys a lot of money, a little bit of prestige, but it's not the same as closing out the major season. And the, the open championship doesn't feel like the, the end of anything to a year. I mean, it's August. So. Yeah, no. And I, and, um, you know, the PGA championship to me gave some, gives some moments, you know, Tiger and Bob May and why Yang beat Tiger and Phil last year. It gives you some, but you know, if you just look at the history of how much it's moved, it's it just kind of a disaster. The 60 in the sixties, um, they had it five times in that decade, the week after the open championship, what the hell would you have your major right after the open? So a bunch of the guys back then with travel, not like it is today, didn't even play. Then in 1971, they played it in February. And, and ever since then, it's moved around a ton. Now it's in May, I think. So, uh, and even from the beginning of them changing it to stroke play, they've been searching for an identity. In 1959, it was played here at Minneapolis Golf Club. And uh, Bob Rosberg won one up over Jerry Barber who I, I think was like a club pro from California. He went bogey, bogey to finish to lose one or lose by one stroke, not one up. And I, I read in a sports illustrated article from 59, the PGA tournament director said they wanted to do something different. And they wanted, he wanted a five day 90 hole tournament. He wanted 90 instead of 72. 
but but even right then they went they were two years away from switching from match play and they're already looking to be different well we've got the solution don't we tim absolutely i mean think of think of a five-day event with the coverage right, right now it, i mean it, the match play bring it back fantastic i woke up to golf all weekend long um it felt like it felt like a mini masters. I know it doesn't have the prestige. It's, it's obviously not at Augusta. It's not the open where you can justify drinking pints of Guinness or Newcastle at 6 AM. Um, but God, it's, it's so nice to wake up with, you know, some golf on TV that you can watch because it's such a long day for the guys. Yes. And come on, what else, are, what else are they doing? They're playing golf. Yeah. Bring it back and then put it, put it in the late summer again in the fall. And it's a perfect setup for, I know they don't, they don't want to compete with the NFL. That's one of the things on TV, but you do it in the fall where the, where, where the guys aren't on this super rigid schedule. So they probably will play the match play. And then you, if in a Ryder cup year, if it's early enough, you got a perfect barometer for who's, who's a great match play player. Who's, you know, who's doing well in match play. And you, it, it works out perfect. Um, and I know talking to, Huh? I was going to say, speaking back to the dates that you mentioned, um, a little noted, obviously, we know Arnold Palmer is, is a titan of golf and, and really someone that brought it to mainstream, but he kind of brought the American eye back to the Open Championship. Uh, prior to the, the prize money wasn't so grand that you could justify a trip over to the old course or, you know, over to Presswick or over the pond to, to make that pilgrimage back to participate all the time. Um, and with him and his explosion into golf brought a lot of notoriety back because he saw the history in golf and he went back and he played it. Um, it prior to that, some of the guys would opt out and they'd stay around and they'd play the PGA. It might justify those dates, but there's no justification for a May PGA. You're squashed in between the U.S. Open and the Masters. Uh, it's, it's kind of the early part of the season still. And so much of what we remember Medina, Olympia Fields, Whistling Straits, all of those courses have been essentially eliminated due to the fact it's so early in the season. How do you get out and, and play a Whistling Straits, uh, you know, in May? It, the, the grass just isn't there. No, you can't grow up the rough. It's not ready. So I, so I asked, I was talking to Jeff about this as a podcast topic, and he said, well, one of his things was, um, does match play does the best player win you know where where stroke play is supposed to identify the best player so i went back and i looked a little bit uh in the last 10 years of the pga championship there have only been two years where it's been a one stroke win you know so there's not a lot of drama for one but i went back into the match play and here are some people that have won the match play sam sneed won it three times ben hogan twice byron nelson twice gene saracen twice walter hagan five times these are some of the greats of the game, best players of their era. They're winning the match play. And some of these matches would have been awesome. So they played 36 hole finals. Gene Saracen beat Walter Hagen one year in 38 holes. And one year Byron Nelson beat Sam Snead one up. I mean, how awesome would those matches have been? Can you um, imagine the, uh, the Tiger Woods, Stephen Ames match to, to <laughs> win it all. Yeah. To well, win I, it all. I think that's the death scenario for TV. You know, that, that's the scenario that TV doesn't like because if, if you have a championship match and it's a 6-5 win, they have all this dead air. What the hell do they do? They don't mind going late. But anyway, that's just a take on, on match play and the PGA Championship. We better move on to a little Valero Texas Open. Um, 
Tim, Tim's been down there. Tim has played the sister, the sister course, is it, to the one that the tour plays on? Yeah, so the, the property down there is a JW Marriott property, so a little bit of their higher-end resort-style property. Uh, includes a water park and two golf courses. So you've got the Oaks, designed by um, Greg Norman and assisted by Sergio Garcia. Could explain some of the design, uh, some of the, the accuracy needed into the greens. And then you've got the Canyons course. So they butt up against each other, share a, a massive putting green and the driving range. And I was actually down there the week of. Uh, we played the TPC San Antonio Canyons course that Pete I designed on Friday. Um, unfortunately, they, they didn't want me on the driving range during the same time that the, the pros were there. I think they got a little bit nervous when they saw me roll up. They're like, we don't, yeah. we don't want, you know, shank one hot and hot into the back of Jordan Spieth as he's going into his championship. They, um, they, or they don't want to see me out drive him. Who knows? Could be or, either. Or the pro tracer stuff wasn't set up yet. You know, for those yeah. who don't know, if you go follow Tim on, uh, on Instagram at Timothy old Corlett, right? Tim's a pro tracer guy. Yep. Uh, but a distinct difference between the two courses, the Oaks course is quite a bit flatter. Um, elevation to the greens, really a lot of bunkers that are cut right into the green sites. So precision iron striking is, is absolutely key. And the rough and fairways are pretty lush. It's, it's what a Minnesota golfer would almost come to expect from up here. Um, however, there's a level of hard pan that the whole site sits on just a kind of a rock bed. So there is a, a hardness and, and a, a bounce to the, the, the whole place uh, there that you wouldn't typically see in, in Northern golf. The Canyons very much contrasted that Pete Dye design, bigger, wider fairways, more undulations set up almost on fingerlings that sit above the property in a lot of places. Um, a lot shorter. I think it's probably the more interesting of the two designs, but only lengthens itself out to just over 7,000 yards. And there's spots for tees in, in most places, but not all places to allow for lengthening. Um, and typical stuff you get from Pitai, weird undulated greens, couple railroad ties in par threes. Um, and the, the, the course on that side of property is a lot harder. Hard pan rocks really thin lies you know i my buddy is from austin texas he's been playing down there for ages name's rob he's uh um, either the assistant pro or um, assistant club shop manager at uh at barton i'm gonna create barton which has a wonderful tom fazio design greg norman design pete dye design um but I, I was joking with him. I needed a different wedge. Too much bounce on the wedge. It's, it's hard to get that leading edge down on some of the hard pan that is in the hill country of Texas. So to any viewers that haven't been down there, I think we're going to cover a little bit of a Texas trip um, in, a, in a little while. But yeah. uh, bring, a, bring a different set of, of wedges. You get a, an appreciation of what Jordan Spieth can do around that course. We're, we're going to do some picks this week. Some uh, We'll see how our picks are. Our pick segment here, we'll give you a little stuff on TPC San Antonio. Then we'll, Tim's got a few suggestions for Texas golf for if you ever go down there. So a couple of things about the uh, Oaks course there at TPC San Antonio. It's pretty long. And, you know, it's like 7,500 yards. So pretty deep. It can be 700 yards. Pretty decent. And I went back and looked. It's in the last decade or so. Uh, 
for hitting greens in regulation. It's the second toughest on tour at 58%. Uh, Riviera was number one at 57% with those old elevated kind of greens. So it's sneaky. It's sneaky tough. It's like the 14th toughest, I think, on tour last year, overall scoring or something like that. Uh, I know if you follow my Instagram, short side of golf, you know, it's one of my five most boring uh, tour events that I put on their courses, of course, but it's, it's kind of sneaky tough. So we're going to give you, um, we each got a cha- a predicted champion, a top 10 guy. And then I got a couple, maybe deep, deep sleepers for you. So Tim, who do you got winning this thing? I mean, I have to go Jordan Spieth. Uh, just having been down there, there's an appreciation for his Texas style of golf. And even though it is a little bit more lush, that hard pan is, is right below. So you get a lot of these weird thin lies. Um, I can tell you, I've bladed a, a couple chips straight across the green. Uh, so not my best showing at the Canyons course doesn't all hold true about the Orcs course, but last, last year, his driving didn't quite look that superb and still came out with the W so like him to, to win again. Plus he just has some kind of weird comfort in Texas. seems like every year he's pulling something out there. So Tim's going with the speed back to back Valero wins. He's your defending champion, I believe, right? He is. Let's see. So for me, winning it all, I am going to go a little bit more off the board here. I'm going to take Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk, who uh, did T6 there last year. He's been playing okay. Uh, and I'm just kind of, you know, I am in, in no way, shape, or form. If you listen to earlier podcasts about golf analytics and me and the golf swing and everything, it's uh, this is not me. I'm just a grip and ripping kind of guy here. But strokes gained off the tee, he's 32nd. So he's doing pretty well there and strokes gained approach. He's 40 seconds. So he's up in that top, you know, end of the PGA tour in both those metrics T six there last year. I'm going to go with Chris Kirk. How about a top 10 or Tim? Well, you mentioned T six last year. I'm uh, going to go with, with Gary Woodland on this. I think he's going to be a, a good choice for top 10. He's coming off strong finishes. Uh, what at Bay Hill when he was there. And, and I believe Ennisbrook. Yeah, so a few in Florida really gave up Bay Hill too. I mean, leader going into the par three, just handed it back with a, a yeah. plug lie in the bunker. I'm, I'm pretty sure. He talked about uh, but, that in one of the pods. He's like one of us with the, he went Eagle double. He backed up the Eagle with a double. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but just had, and I had a, I actually had a chance to, to follow him um, last year for quite a few holes when we got into the tournament. Uh, so Shout out to Gary Woodland and uh, hoping for a, a top 10 might even throw some money on it this week. And I think the other thing with Woodland is um, he hits a hell of a stinger. And I looked up another thing about this golf course down there in San Antonio is extremely, you know, pretty windy. One of the more windy sites on tour in the last 10 years. I couldn't believe this in the last 10 years, there's only been four rounds played there that would be classified calm wins by PGA tour standards. So you get, you get wind there and Gary Woodland can hit the hell out of a stinger. I know that um, I am going to go, man, this, now that I, now that I, now that I talk about the wins, I don't know if picking this big tall guy is a great thing, you know, but uh, as a tall guy myself, I always got a, a big heart for the tall guys. So I'm going to go Patton Kazire to top 10. I know I, I know I mocked and ridiculed him at Sawgrass for shanking one 40 yards right on 17. Uh, but in his last three, he's been top 35 starts four of his last five. And last year he was T9. Um, and he's got D 
decent metrics for for what I think might work. So we're gonna go patent desire. Uh, I also got a couple other um, sleepers, maybe deep sleepers. Matthias Schwab, for those of you who don't know who that is, he's a tour player. That's a real person. Um, yeah, T7 who, at who? <laughs> <laughs> Matthias Schwab, T7 at Honda, T7 at Puerto Rico. Strokes gained approach again, which remember this course requires pretty good accuracy and approach. He's top 50. So there, and maybe Johnny Vegas, who also, who's kind of got a sorted history there. He's missed a couple of cuts. He's also been in the round 30th, but he T4 last week at Punta Cana and at the Valspar, he top 30. And he again is 49th in strokes gained approach. And he's kind of long. I think he's kind of crooked, but he's long. So if he, if he gets the driver going, you never know. That is our uh, preview of the TPC San Antonio, which, Oh, one thing I forgot the Vegas favorite is Rory. And I don't see how or why when you know that I saw that it's, you can miss it off the tee a little bit. Uh, There's, but there's some thin trees. The only problem is as soon as you miss the rough, it is, it is rocks and cow country down there. There's small boulders and immovable rocks. It goes all, all the way down to the bedrock through, through the grass. And he's not in great form, so we'll see. Anyway, Tim, tell us about uh, Texas Golf, a, a quick a quick snippet on that. So it, for those of you that, that do or don't know, um, pride myself in trying to play the, the top 100s, uh, especially those that are, are public, you know, man of the people. And that's why I appreciate this tournament. It's one of those few golf courses on tour that you can get out and you can play. So you've got access in fact, Golf Digest named this as one of the best places to visit in the winter. Now, I wouldn't suggest this as a, a February trip. You're going to run into p- the possibility of closed courses um, and just a lot of dormant, dormant rough. But by this time of year, by, by March and, and early April, you're running into great course conditions. So for those of us that are in the northern states, specifically here in Minnesota, um, a wonderful place to go. I had the opportunity to go down and visit my kindergarten buddy. That's a long time ago, uh, Robert in the area. Um, San Antonio golf turned out to be a little bit more accessible than Austin golf, uh, but had a host of different courses that we played, played TPC San Antonio, the Canyons course at, at um, the die course that was $250 to play and played a wonderful course called the Corey front nine. Not very interesting back nine cut into an old quarry every single hole sat either right above and incorporated the quarry walls or into the quarry so a really cool place a lot of force carries over rock chasms tons of fun to play and if i'm remembering right around 80 dollars to play it ask if you could play the back nine twice yes gosh we played the black the back nine first and we got to the front nine after playing the back and we we almost walked off. Like, uh, why, why even bother? This is plain and boring. Uh, the other one that we played down there is Kissing Tree, which is a part of a retirement community. All right. It, it still lengthens out to 7,100 yards. Uh, it was about 130 to play, but was the only place that we played that had lush grass. So after getting absolutely beat up on these hard pan, thin lies everywhere, finally found some place with some lush grass. Other great places, and the unfortunate thing about San Antonio and Austin, a lot of required stay in plays. So you've got um, you've got Ram Rock, which is a stay in play. It's an RTJ design. Uh, you've got La uh, Cantera, 
And unfortunately, the Palmer, clo- uh, Palmer course, which was previously the site of the Valero, has closed. Wasn't popular enough or COVID got it. Um, closed very, very late last year, December of 2021. However, the championship course that they have there is still open. And much like TPC San Antonio backs into a wonderful resort that instead of water slides and and a water park has uh, roller coasters and a theme park behind it, similar to that of of TPC Scottsdale. Hmm. Um, And then the, the final one, well, Two last ones. These are affordable ones. The Golf Club of Texas, one of the few Lee Trevino designs. Oh, yeah. I love uh, it. Just a wonky thing, real dry. It, lots of dog legs right. I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, lots of dog legs right. Uh, and only 60 bucks to play. And then the final one is Breckenridge. It's, uh, it's a city-owned course. I figured you'd appreciate it. I saved it for last. It's a Tilly. Oh, yes. Love it. There's a tilling house down in, in San Antonio, Texas. Peak season, peak rate, $64 nice. to play. And, you're, you know, that brings you back to the whole match play thing, not to get back off topic here. But another thing, if the PGA Championship would go to match play, um, and I, I saw Andy Johnson from Fried Egg uh, had something on this today or yesterday. You could use some of the old classic courses from the 1910s and 20s, some old tilling hats and, and some Rosses to play it again, where, you know, the normal tour event, um, they don't really want to go there. I think, I think Andy Johnson's article was talking about how in the 50s and 60s, it, it design became all kind of about fairness. If you hit a good shot, it should stay in the fairway. If you hit a green, it should stay on the green. You know, you don't get the quirkiness of these golden era architecture kind of courses. And you could play match play on some just classic, you know, there's, there are so many great classic cl- country clubs and stuff that could host a major championship if it's match play. Cause the, the, the distance comes, becomes a little bit, um, you know, doesn't matter. So that's another positive to our idea. I think number, number of fans possibly go down a little bit. So necessary it, infrastructure needs go down a little correct. bit. Correct. Um, Going back to and circling, circling back, uh, TPC San Antonio, one of the favorites for families. I, I'm not saying for a trip of for a family, but the actual PGA Tour families, uh, because the JW Marriott is there because of the water park, because it's not as rowdy as its competitor, TPC Scottsdale, with good infrastructure, tend to have a lot of families that that go and participate in uh, the Valero on a year to year basis. All right. So our, our last talking point here before we get to the Minnesota Elite Eight slash Final Four discussion is we got to talk Tiger. There's the, the hot rumor is he's he's gearing up for maybe a go at Augusta. He's supposedly been out at Medalist practicing, supposedly. The rumor is he's going to walk Augusta this week sometime. Does Tiger play? I'm selfish in this. I hope he doesn't. I I mean, I want him back. I do. I just have a planned trip to Oregon to play, to play (laughs) Pronghorn and Tethero and um, Crosswater. And we just happened to be out there that Saturday, Sunday. And the whole thing was prefaced just like our trip last year, right? To, to Shadow Creek. We played Shadow Creek, Mike and myself last year on that master Sunday, even caught the last few holes from Hideki finishing and in the clubhouse. 
I think what the the commoner amongst us, the the other group had bet something like 125k yeah. on crazy, the outcome. Crazy money in the locker room at Shadow Creek. Different life. Uh, yeah, you uh, know. but ahead. I'd like to see him back. I, I absolutely would. I, I hope he does. I will be glued to my phone uh, with it it's strung up to a cart somewhere in, in Bend, Oregon area, uh, if that does happen. It will be interesting because uh, I wanted to play too. Um, but, you know, Tiger's a very prideful guy. I don't see him coming back unless he truly thinks, you know, he can compete. You know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to come out there like, uh, you know, Ian Woosnam did when he's old and shooting 85 just because he, he's a, he won once and he gets to play the Masters every year. He's not going to be that guy. And, and so I hope I, I hope he plays if he's feeling like he can compete. But I part of me thinks that he won't. He might, you know, just he's looking into it. Um, but you know what? It gives us all some hope and something to talk about that the man's going to be back. So. You know, the Ritz-Carlton Orlando, where they played, I believe that's where they played the PNC this year. A little bit different course, very flat, typical golf, but his iron striking looked phenomenal during during that championship. Uh, His drives, what, 280, 290, but really not giving him his all by any means. Yeah, and I think, you know, yes, I think it becomes – not so much can his body hold up to the golf swing at Augusta. It's can his body hold up to the walk of all the hills. And because he can scrape it around, he knows that course better than anybody. If he can, if he can scrape it around, he's got a chance if he's hitting it. Okay. Which he was Colin Morikawa. I, I just read the other day, claimed he's still the best iron player in the world tiger. And this is coming from the guy who most people think is the best iron player in the world, Colin Morikawa. So uh, pretty crazy stuff, but we'll see. It's going to be all the news this week, I suppose. It's going to overshadow the the Valero uh, if Tiger decides to play. I was going to say the only thing that might overshadow the news of Tiger Woods possibly playing the Masters is the price tag that could come from the closing of his uh, Tiger Slam Iron Set going up for auction. Yeah, is that? I haven't watched. I haven't seen anything. I don't believe it's closed yet. But I, I haven't looked at it lately. I posted something on my Instagram a while back with the pictures of it because, you know, the the uh, the ball market in the middle of the club, it's very, very similar to my irons and wedges. But um, somebody mentioned other that they, was, they were supposedly fake. I don't know. I haven't looked into it further. Uh, but no, we'll- no. Uh, the story is that uh, he was very close with the gentleman working on the Titleist van. He just received new clubs and. They were put into his bag shortly, shortly after their inception. Uh, and that gentleman brought them home with him and they've been at his home ever since. I got to think they get over a million. That's a, you know, I, I would think so too. There's, there's so many I'm, people with so much money out there. And this is a, you know, this is a piece of the greatest, probably the greatest golf ever played. Yeah. It, so not only this, I think it was last year, late last year that young Tom Morris's putter, one up for auction. Sweet. And if you want to talk about two clubs with distinct ball marks, it was Tiger's eight iron that was photographed. And it was old or young Tom Morris's putter that had, because they were lead faced, lead bodied back then, uh, had an indent <laughs> into, into the center of, of the putter from, from his striking. So uh, two of the most iconic pieces of of golf history going up for auction within a couple years of each other Um, 
maybe it's maybe it's almost art at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Certainly appreciate it better than my stocks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here's what I think a lot of you, uh, we hate to keep you waiting for all this. Here's a lot of you are here for the um, Minnesota Elite Eight uh, of public golf. And if you haven't been following, we kind of broke it down into a, a sweet 16 bracket where we had eight teams or eight courses, excuse me, from the from greater state, you know, so outside of the metro area. And then we had eight courses from the metro and we had an Elite Eight and people have been voting on Instagram. Here were your results from the elite at the quarry and Deacons was our closest uh, battle in the, you know, of the whole thing in the greater state, 55% to 45%. The quarry moves on uh, the quarry. You know, we're not gonna spend too much time talking about the elite eight results, maybe, but, but the quarry is the traditional elite public course in Minnesota over the last I'm couple of decades. Shocked. It was that close. I, I think a lot of people just haven't been up to the quarry, which is- I, I am too the the travesty of of this and and i'll I'm, i've got the prices listed for the the 2022 season for everyone that's interested in our final four okay and then the other uh greater state the wilderness beat up on the jewel 74 percent to 26 percent kind of saw it coming so um in the greater state the quarry and the wilderness move on we'll talk about that matchup in a second in the metro troy burn beat rush creek 61 percent to 39 um, not necessarily surprising to me that Troy Burn won, but the, the margin surprises me a little bit. What do you think of that one? You know, I am such a Troy Burn fan that I, I, I have them. I, I won't specify my whole bracket. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I won't specify my whole bracket. You know, and you I have know- your favorite. It's like me cheering for Iowa State every year. If I mean, anytime they win a game, it's it's good. Uh, it's surprising, <laughs> but I still move them through my bracket with with all the the hopes in the world. Yeah, and we and we caught a lot of flack on Facebook and on Instagram for having Troy Burn in this Minnesota uh, bracket, but it is part of the Minnesota Golf Association, which is why we put it in there, and it you know is commonly thought of as kind of a Twin Cities Metro golf course even though it's in wisconsin you know the the diehard vikings fan in me hates to give wisconsin any credit for anything but it's a pretty good golf course and lastly the people did it for me they pulled they pulled my they pulled my course through stone ridge over legend 62 percent to 38 i'm not ashamed to say it i've been har- i've been harping on this for the last few weeks that i love stone ridge it's a great track and it's in to the final four baby let's go so here's what we got for the final four and um we will have these uh out for you uh later this week uh sometime watch break 80s watch jeff's instagram we'll have uh some voting and then we'll probably do a pretty quick turnaround for the championship and try to do it kind of the same time as, as the ncaa tournament we have in the greater state i think what everybody probably saw coming the quarry versus the wilderness and in the Metro, Troy Byrne versus Stone Ridge, which is basically a little East Metro, they're right down the road from each other matchup. It's so the best side, best side of the Metro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's go greater state first, first here, Tim. Quarry versus Wilderness, your thoughts? Gosh, I mean, two, two courses just cut out of the trees, just absolutely gorgeous. Again, Quarry does a fantastic job of course upkeep. They usually have a little bit faster greens. And if you do go up the prime rates for the quarry, and this is to play both, uh, we didn't mess it, uh, uh, really mention 
legends at Giants Ridge in our conversation. We just felt like it was going to overload that that northern part during the bracketing. But you can play both the Corey and Legends for $160 last year. Inflation got them. It's $175. It includes lunch, cart, range balls, everything that you need on a replay rate during the day, but a fantastic duo of courses. Crazy value. Amazing. I think that that outtakes the wilderness. I I do like the wilderness. This par three is better. That's that's a hot take. I know that the Corey has a lot of great par threes. I like the the wilderness's par threes a little bit better. Um, but I think that some of the distinct designs of the Corey just set it apart. Uh, a note on wilderness, a part of the Fortune Bay Casino Company, $110 during peak rates to play the wilderness. So really, you can go up and play um, three amazing courses for uh what two hundred and eighty five dollars yeah. over the course of a, a weekend plus plus finding a place to stay up there. Yeah, tough to beat. Uh the Metro. Troy Byrne versus Stone Ridge. Uh I'll let you give some takes and I'll give a little take on uh my Stone Ridge track here. I just I love Troy Byrne. I did something about uh number number twelve walking past the the little babbling brook through the underpass into that symphony of trees on the par three. Um, just a, an amazing silhouette of a, of a par three golf hole. Um, just in, incredible. And as we talked about East side golf, just amazing public access on the East side overall. If you look at our, our bracketing, a lot of the, the Metro courses, Royal, um, Troy Byrne, Stone Ridge, all coming out of that, that East Metro. And then quite a few coming out of that South Metro in the prior lake area. So just two, um, the West side, very good for private, not so great for public. Um, and then Troy burn 92, uh, for the, the peak time, probably the best twilight in, in the twin cities at $69. So real nice price. Yeah. Nice. Um, And then stone Ridge, you really can't beat the greens. I, they get them up to what a 12 at times, 13. Love them rolling great last last year they were unbelievable unbelievable the less less i have to touch the putt to get it going the better the yeah. harder i have to putt it the more offline it is um so if it was evaluated completely on the greens it would be stone ridge 100 percent of the time but I, we're at odds on this one i just i love i love some <laughs> of some of the design at, at troy burn in 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 all honesty i actually haven't been to troy burn i've played it it's been a while though it's actually been a, a long while i gotta get out there again this summer but no ridge- no no uh-huh. rates published on Stone Ridge yet. It's it's undetermined what their rates will. Maybe they're waiting for the the outcome. If they if they can, you know, they're a final fourth course now. They might have to jack it up a little bit. <laughs> bringing this is bringing big pub for them. Um, you know, my my thing with uh, Troy Burns a great course. My thing I love about Stone Ridge is uh, you get out there, and again, you know, I'm a Lynx Golf kind of fanatic, um, and obviously there's not any true links here, but it's got that feel to it. You know, you, you, you play the golf course with the exception of a couple holes where you, you are, you play pretty loose, you know, you feel like you can miss, you can get away with some things, but at the same time, there's some very penalizing areas. Um, and I think it, I think it gives you a variety of golf shots and ways to play the golf course that some courses don't um, due to the, you know, the firmness of the greens, the fastness of the greens. Um, the course has some holes where there's a little bit of elevation. It's got other holes where you can, you know, you can uh, run it up there and, and get it close. Uh, it's got 
uh, awesome drivable par four over this big waste area, which, you know, every great course has to have at least one drivable par four. Uh, and I just, to me, it's a very uh, fun golf course. Um, and, and, and that's the key for me whenever I'm out playing, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I always say this about like, when we're talking private clubs, like um, Spring Hill versus Winsong, you know, out in the West Metro here. I would play Winsong all day long every time. Spring Hill is so tight and narrow, and it's kind of a stressful round of golf. Like, like all rounds of golf can be stressful, believe me. But you know, I think at Stonehenge you kind of have that feel, like, okay, this is going to be fun. I can, I, I can hit it, spray it a little bit, and still be okay. Uh, but yeah, it's still challenging enough, depending on what tee box you're going to go play, and to to make it a, a real test. So Stonehenge is is sweet. I like Stonehenge. Um, so we'll see what happens here with this with this final four. Any final thoughts? Just always giving Foz the business. I think if, if Foz put his name, <laughs> Pine Valley, right? Which he did, which he did. World Woods, right? Yeah. Woods, Pine Barrens, great course. Actually cracked the total top 100. Not not just the public, but the total top 100 for a little while there through the 2000s. You would scoff at it. Like, you know what? Not my thing. Terrible course. Can't believe he did something. No <laughs> air fountains on that one either. What's um, his signature? His signature is an aeration uh, fountain in the pond. I will give it to Stone Ridge's back nine, though. I think it's fantastic. I don't know if that was a natural sand pit or if they just sold a bunch of topsoil to some nearby farmers. But the fact that it, it all surrounds that waste pit back there is a really cool course design. Yeah, no, uh, it's fun. Um, okay, well. Uh, get out and vote. We encourage uh, as much participation as possible. You know, message uh, either Jeff at Break 80, me at uh, at Shortside Golf, or Tim at uh, at his name. I think Timothy O'Corlett on Instagram with with any thoughts or insight um, when we when we post the the bracket. Feel free to message on there. We'll go back and forth with some with some stuff. You be honest with what you think about about the matchups. Uh, next week we will be recapping. Our final four, I probably will recap all of it. We'll probably wait until after the championship. We'll recap it all. And we have uh, a ton of Masters talk coming up because it's that time of year for us, uh, especially in Minnesota. I feel like maybe maybe down south they appreciate this too, but in the in northern states where you've been cooped up all winter, and I know we've been out a little bit here in Minnesota for the last few weeks, but it's always the you know the beginning of the golf season for us, Masters week. So we'll have a ton of Masters talk, and we have an interview with Kate Smith. For those of you who don't know, Kate Smith uh, was the 2021 Big Ten Player of the Women's Player of the Year. She is currently a pro on the Epson Tour. I saw she just got T14 this week, so great job, Kate. And she played in the Augusta Women's National Amateur Tournament last year. So she has played Augusta. And I can tell you right now from our interview, which we've already taped, she has some great insight to the golf course. Um, so that'll be coming up on next week's episode. So until then, uh, give us a follow, listen up to uh, all the podcasts, and I uh, hope you're getting out this week and playing some golf. Take it easy.